Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Sports Communities Doing Sport Differently podcast series. My name's Steve Pallas, and I'm your host, and I'm the founder and CEO of Sports Community. Today, we're chatting with Michael Peacock from the Heidelberg Football Netball Club. After many years of speculation, discussion, and talking about the concept, Heidelberg Football Netball Club finally bit the bullet and introduced their first women's football team in 2019. Since then, the club and the women's football team has gone from strength to strength, and the response from the community has been simply overwhelming. So in today's episode, Michael shares his perspective and advice on fostering a truly supportive and welcoming environment for women in what has traditionally been a male-dominated sport. We learn about his experience establishing the women's team at a well-established football club and more broadly, how he went about creating a genuine culture of gender equity. I really loved chatting with Michael because he's so passionate about creating a club that reflects the needs of his community. And he also offers many practical tips and strategies which are relevant and relatable to every single club in Australia, regardless of what sport you're participating in, especially for those clubs that are looking to increase their female participation. So before we get into the this week's episode, I'd just like to do, as I do each week, thank our wonderful partners at Vic Health. Without their support, it wouldn't be possible to, to week in, week out, share the success stories of clubs and organisations around Australia who are doing sport differently. Vic Health and Latrobe University Centre for Social Sport and Social Impact have drawn on years of experience to develop six key principles to guide the design and delivery of sports sport-based programs that target less active people. And each week, we look at these different principles and how they have been applied successfully in different clubs around the country. We profile and celebrate the clubs on this podcast who have applied these principles and we learn from them as they've achieved just amazing results. So as normal, after the interview, I will share my key takeaways. But for now, let's listen to Michael Peacock from the Heidelberg Football Netball Club talk about gender equality. When did you invite netball into the into the fray? Uh, netball has been we we ventured into netball initially about four years ago, and it's been a little bit of a struggle. And the struggle has been has been a lot to do with with. It's been harder to have our netballers connected to the club in the same way that our footballers are connected to the club. Yes. Because they play, and it's a little bit of the nature of some of those sports. Netball, they play in a stadium, stadiums yep. on a Friday night, it's, and they're gener- in the northern, they're generally out at, um, in Bandura or further afield, mm-hmm. um, and they train in, in stadiums elsewhere as well. So it's the... The connection to the clubs have been has been a bit harder, but we've got now we're now starting to get a bit of crossover with our women's footy and our netball. So we're, you know, it's 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 taking longer to have it be an integral part of the club compared to how quickly it worked with women's footy. 
but I think I think our learning from that is helping us. Well, so when talking of the women's football, when did you um, when did when did they play their first year? So when did you get the team up and running? Last uh, so twenty nineteen was their first season. We we. I'd been on the committee for uh, and secretary for six years, and we we had anticipated that we would uh, always have a women's team. In that time, we discussed it, and we we were we were looking at at uh, or we the false thought, I suppose, that we needed to have our juniors have their girls come through for us to then have a women's team, and and so we looked at the numbers and had anticipated that that this year would probably be the first year. And then at the end of 2018, we went, oh, hang on, there's three or four girls playing in youth girls finishing their juniors whose dads are life members of the footy club, the yellow and black. We wouldn't really like to see them running around in another jumper somewhere else. So we uh, we thought, oh, look, we'll pull the trigger and we'll, we'll go. And so we um, uh, probably in October... 2018 we just said right oh we're in we're in women's footy and it's going to be great and we're just going to go really hard and so we uh before before the first practice match in the pre-season in 2019 we had 32 or 33 players um far five of them had had, had any previous football experience yeah maybe six and well, it was fantastic it's interesting the theme that's come through. We had uh, a coach from Shepparton United women's football team uh, come on a couple of weeks ago, and their impetus was exactly the same things. Established life members or iconic people within the club going, hey, my daughter's not going to go and play in some other club colours. We better do something about this. So <laughs> it's funny how that 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 tribalism is alive and well. So when you when you put the word out, like what was the response? Was it the junior girls? Was it the mums? Who who made up that thirty four? It was really interesting. We had girls from we had uh, we had a few girls who lived locally who thought, oh, footy, let's go and have a look. Um, and then they bought their friends. We we had. Um, uh, as I said, we had four four players come out of out of our youth girls team uh, that had finished in, in under 18s and um, and then we had just a whole range of people who'd never played footy, um, never really even thought about it, uh, and then came and had a look and um, and as a result, we we drew players and look a lot live live within the, the geographic patch, which is which is really useful. And that's sort of normally footy clubs yeah. you draw from your local community. So um, it meant that there was somewhere that people could go. And I, I think it probably helped that like we didn't have 34 with the click of a finger. We, through the pre-season, uh, uh, and we sort of lucked into a really good coach. And so through the pre-season, the word spread that it was really good fun. Um, and... And the objectives were to essentially to learn the game, to love the game, uh, and to get better, and um, uh, and enjoy being connected and belonging. And that it, it probably couldn't have worked any better for us in our first season. Uh, and uh, just joining us is that coach of that uh, Shepherd and uh, United team, Dean Walton. Dean, welcome to you. Thanks, another Tiger man joining the conversation. So. Um, 
Dean, I couldn't help but notice again another similar theme coming through with with women's sport all the way across women's sport, uh, particularly across the different sports, is that concept of um, fun, Michael. That that seems to be a really um, interesting difference between traditional boys and men's culture, if you like, and and um, and the girls and, and the women's is is there's a very much a stronger emphasis on fun. It seems. Yeah, I, I think it was, um, and we were quite pointed about it because um, if, and I, not that I'm likening our, our senior women's to under 10s footy, but, yeah, yeah. but there, there are some elements around it that are similar, and that is that if you haven't really learnt the game, if if you if you were absolutely rigorous and hard and and um, and tough with under tens, they're not going to enjoy the game. They're not going to play in under elevens. Yeah. So so in part in part, you know, our coach took a really structured approach. Said, look, well, I'm not going to play everybody all over the place. I'm going to let you be really comfortable and confident playing in an area of the ground where you can work out what you need to do there, and that will help you then be successful. Um, and then further down the track, that'll that'll develop and evolve. And that worked. It worked exceptionally well, but it was probably the, as much as any, or probably more than the on-field, it was the way the off-field worked. Yeah. That really, that was really the impetus for why it was such a great, and 2020, pre-COVID, we actually had two teams. Yeah. So we'd gone from nothing. We'd gone from nothing to fielding two teams in 2020 off the back of, off the back of a really highly integrated key part of our club, which is that was the bit that was most rewarding. Like the on-field was great because you want to be successful and they were pretty successful. But the fact that that we then attracted more and more, I, I think really helped. Yeah, and I would like to e- explore the benefits uh, off-field in just a moment, but I, I just want to go back um, before I pick up on Dean's point about maybe a Ship United, Heidelberg, uh, under-18s, girls, exhibition, country versus city, compromised <laughs> sports community. Um, gosh, the whole family of entrepreneurs, Dean. Um, <laughs> sounds like a good idea, though. We might have to talk about that. But um, I, I just want to explore just for a moment this the reality of a whole group of people coming to a club that they probably don't know really well to play a sport that they have never really experienced before. How were they feeling? Were they nervous? Were they scared? Was it, what was that, that emotion that you had to, to, to overcome, I guess, to get them to come back, to come back, to come back, to bring their friends back? Yeah, look, I think I, I think it was interesting. So a few of the things that we did the preseason, we just because of the way facilities are in demand with cricket and everything else that's going on, mm. we often our girls weren't training with our men's team. But as we moved towards the season proper, so so there was a bit of trepidation about about feeling like they belonged in the joint. If that yes. makes sense. Yes. So as we as we progressed towards the season proper and we started to then change our training timetable, that what would be our normal season training, we we made sure that like our Thursday nights were it was a bit squashy on the one ground, but we had 
uh, 19s men's, reserves men's, senior men's and senior women's all training on a Thursday night on the one ground um, and, um, and then everybody into the rooms for dinner and selection so so straight away what we it was a really conscious decision to say we got four teams now not three and everybody's part of our club and so the so the girls i say the girls but the women's team the girls would come in they were on like everybody else on mass in the rooms um and got their piece of turf and we did a few little things that that i think probably helped so in terms of that connection and belonging and having people be comfortable. So like, you know, pre-round one jumper presentation, rather than just throwing their jumpers in the rooms on the, on the Saturday before the game, we, the, the, there was a staggered start with men's and women's footy. So the women started a week earlier. So we ran a, the Thursday night dinner, when when everyone came into the rooms, all the all the women's jumpers were on coat hangers hanging from the ceiling, and there were four that were separate. So that were the they were the girls of the life members, the daughters of the life members. So they got to present their daughters with their jumpers. But then we got all of the the senior blokes to get up with corresponding numbers and give the senior women their jumper. Yeah. So that yeah. were things that said you know, we're all part of the one footy club. Well, it's interesting comparing and contrasting how many clubs have brought in um, the women's teams and well, and, and go, let's go broader than football. We've got the traditional teams of a club and then we're bolting on for want of better terminology, new teams. And so often we see that the new teams just have to find a spot somewhere. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's it's the Sunday night, or it's the worst time for the worst, you know, and it's the worst time for a reason. It's not convenient. It's not, it's it, it's it's not. But you've gone the other way. You've just made all things. You've just got teams. All your teams are are, are considered equal within the club. Yeah, and and it was. I do a lot of work professionally around organisational culture, and so we are really mindful of that you need to actively establish the culture that you want rather than hoping it turns out like you want it yes. to. Yes. So we we quite intentionally did things where working with the with the Northern Footy League and the clubs that we were drawn to play, our first two games of this often women's footy is is normally scheduled on a Sunday, but the first two rounds of the season last year was still daylight savings. So we moved our 19s reserves and senior men's back an hour and played our senior women's straight after the senior men's. So, and one of those was an Anzac Day game, oh, um, yeah. standalone Anzac Day game. So our our senior women got to do the same same thing as our senior blokes do on Anzac Day commemorative service, um, and and it was yeah we're really conscious. Uh, I, I use the term bolted on. There's a a lot of clubs that our girls played against, the women use separate grounds, separate social rooms, separate facilities, operate as an independent club. Whereas we, if it's bolted on, because some people do it because they think they'll get better facilities if we've got women's, or they think they'll, yep. oh, we yep. should because there's, you know, we want our footy club to look like our community. Yes. So, uh, historically, it's been highly successful, but didn't always look like the rest of the community. Now it does, and uh, and we were really conscious about doing that. And it's a much more, 
it's a it's a really welcoming and inviting place. So our you know our vice president of our footy club, one of our captains of our women's team, coaches our under thirteen girls. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, yeah. The I'm always interested as as new new teams come into clubs how the traditional teams react and respond. So how did how did the the men's team that's been the spotlight since 1878 kind of been the focus? 1878, do I get that right? Um, 76. Yeah. Oh, look, I think it was interesting. I think it was the trepidation was a bit a a bit from all quarters because it was unknown. It was new. So some of our supporters sitting on the deck who've who've only ever sat, been and watched uh, watched blokes footy to hear them going, oh, have a look at that Emma Rose, she's a jet. Oh, far out, how good she from the pocket. They were they were bested, and and it didn't really. I say it really didn't take long for our for our blokes teams to get to just deal with this. This is just this is what the the club looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was you know. And it helps the fact that you go from having 70 people in your rooms on a Thursday night to having 110 people in your rooms on a Thursday night and the joint's jumping. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, socially, this- it was really, you know, every every aspect was really solid. Yeah. So let's talk about the off-field now. What was the be- – what – what what has been those benefits apart from more numbers in the social, et cetera, et cetera? What else, what's been the benefit that it's brought to the club that's starting to snowball that you're growing now that the, the women's side very quickly? I think um I think the 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 one factor for me as I observe the way that that things developed last year that that really stood out is that there's a it's i suppose it's the investment of people in their footy club yeah so whereas whereas previously again none of it's good or bad but previously the the probably historically the the blokes playing group expected that people would do things yep yeah that's that's just because that was their learned normal Yes, and our women's team didn't know anything different, so they didn't expect people would do things. They got in and did things, and yep. then that starts to rub off. So, so others get in and do things. So it's just it's just tweaked our normal underlying culture to one that's more inclusive and engaging and involving of all, whereas it was inclusive and engaging of some. Well, and in in our experience across working with clubs and observing clubs across the country, across sports, the clubs that have got the longest periods of sustained success are those where you've got everybody contributing to the goals of the club. And I'm talking about off-field, not on-field, like the players will play and that's there. But those, when you look under the covers of really successful clubs that achieve their goals over a long period of time, the, the players and their supporters are all contributing in lots of different non-sporting ways, compare that to the inverse, which is the committee does all the work type type scenario. And uh, I think that's what you're finding as well. Yeah, and we've been able to broaden. I mean, it's interesting. Our committee, our committee, I describe as has it's changed quite considerably because there's a much greater, there's a a, a pretty 
a, a sound gender balance now that historically wasn't there. And again, it's not surprising that it wasn't there because no, no. because no. it was a club that was predominantly blokes playing footy. Yeah, yeah. So the committee now has a has a really sound gender balance. So it's just uh, um, so again, it brings that normalised practice that we look like the rest of the community and and people get involved and contribute. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's been. It, the difference that it's made to the place, I think, has been really significant um, and just exciting because it's, yeah, you know, they they they, they uh, the first first home and away game they won against a uh, was unknown what their quality was going to be like, you know, and so we happened to be a pretty reasonable side, so we were the only first year team graded into the second division, um, and we ended up playing in the grand final in the second division. Um, of the Northern Women's Footy League, and it was immense. So that success also then helped, yeah, because yeah. it was a bit infectious. And, and and we sort of, you know, we joked, you know, there's that Heidelberg have been a highly successful club, yeah, um, yeah. over many many years, and so now it was well, we want to do the same with women's footy. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was a bit of swagger. <laughs> well, and and I think one of the, you know a club is enjoying their times when the words that they're using is exciting i think i think exciting is 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 almost the ultimate um level of where a club's functioning really well and and a lot of that excitement and again it's much for, for us we look much broader than on-field success but it's it's exciting off-field but you're talking about you know large numbers coming to the social events coming to the the Thursday night you're staying you're watching each other I mean that's just an exciting environment to be part of oh, my, my daughter played uh, played under 18 youth girls last year um uh, so the last game that she played was the premiership that they won which was magnificent uh through the season, particularly in the finals, our senior women's would turn up and watch the youth girls play, and it was just that that everyone's up and about. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and 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 as I said earlier, when it, when our blokes have we won the 2016 men's and seniors and reserves premiership, and everyone was up and about. So the fact that we've now got a women's team and we get everyone up and about when a women's team is striving for success as well. It's that whole, as I said, whole thing is we look like the community, mm. which is, it's great. And just picking up on Dean's point, uh, uh, we still need to educate some of our people on full inclusion. So have you got people that are still a little bit resistant? And and again, maybe resistance, not the, the right terminology, because that'd be a bit negative, but traditionalists that kind of think that that shouldn't be going down this path um I, I thought we would have but we didn't yeah yeah because because people people just engaged really well and the the inadvertent things are the things to work on so there was one exact there's one example that I've used that it's a really minor little thing, but when we were talking about, what well, I said we the, our first Saturday of footy in 2019 had had 19s, then then reserves men, senior men, senior women's, and and 
and the the commentary from people in the rooms was, oh, are we going to play the main game earlier? Meaning the senior men's game. Yeah, yes, yes. Because it's always been, it's historically, it's always been the main game. Yeah. Um, and from a from a, a revenue and from a, it, it, you know, it's still the biggest show yep. in town at the club. Mm. But what we did is we changed the language. Yeah. So we don't use the term main game. We talk about our, oh, no, what we're doing. And so we've played with it. What we're doing is we're playing our 19s men, our 19s, then our reserves men, senior men, senior women's. No mention of main game. There's four games of footy, and each game is as important as each other game. So, so yeah, there was no overt resistance. There was just some having people get comfortable with stuff. Yeah, and language is very, very, very important. And we're, we're learning that as we as we go through this Doing Sport Differently series. Um, the, the, um, the future, what does it look like? Are you seeing, do you think that this is going to be the impetus for not, not just more players, but women going into coaching side, more women going into more volunteering roles? Um, more women coming into the the committee roles and and senior executive roles within the committee. Do you see it as being a platform for for that? Yeah, look, we're already getting, as I said, we've got a committee for the last couple of years. Our vice presidents have been have been women. We've got uh, just about gender balance on on our committee, which I think is really sound. Um, the I think the the next exciting part will be where do the coaches come from? Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think that I think it, it makes good logical sense that that there are not many women's coaches coaching footy as a proportion compared yeah. to black just coaching yet. women's footy, yeah. just because women's footy is relatively new. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, just but I, would, I, I think from our within our current playing senior women's playing group. I would think there are probably, I'd say there are probably four or five people who, who, um, if they're not involved now in coaching juniors, which some of them are, which is unreal. I noticed Ash Riley, our vice president and captain, commented there, gave me a bit of a rap too. Thanks, Ash. Um, I, I think the the thing that's going to be really exciting is when there are when there's a really the, the development of coaches. Um, women's coaches to coach women's footy, I think, will be a, is is, a, is the progression that's going to be a really exciting one. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can see that progression. I mean, it's I'm, I'll just pick you up on a little bit of language there. I think women's coaches coaching footy, and so yeah, 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 going going through probably one of the best places to learn will be assistant coach of some of the men's teams and and getting um, access to the the tactics and the thinking that that. Uh, and purely from an advancement point of view, that one one sport's been going for 150 years, and another's been going for one, so or a couple, you know, three or four. So that's um, that's that's really really cool. So I oh, look again. I say this every week, Michael. I I, I could talk to you for hours about um, <laughs> what you what you've done and what your club's done. Sorry, and I'll before I just hand over to you for a couple of tips for clubs going down this path. Um, oh, in another life <laughs> with hair and pre three daughters, or at least two of them anyway. Um, I was the CEO of the, the local footy league here and it had three leagues, if you like. Uh, two didn't have netball and one did have netball. And so each week I would go, and it's not really the sport. I've, oh, let me rephrase that. 
two didn't have participation options for women and one did. And and for each week I would go to one game and stay for, there for the whole lot and maybe five, six hours afterwards, depending on the quality of the social <laughs> side of the club. Um, and and I'd go but from one one game to one league and go from bounce from league to league to league. And it dawned on me after about a year and a bit of doing this that it didn't matter which club and which league or whatever, the clubs that had participation options for women as integrated and in, integrated into part of their, their their club culture and talking about the equality, they were just better clubs. They were better places to be. They were just more enjoyable. They were more successful based on their own definition of success on and off field, on and off court, they were just better. And so we, uh, this is in 2008, put into the strategic plan, netball into the other two competitions. The traditionalists went berserk. Um, and now a decade later, they think it's the greatest thing that's uh, that's come, platform to then start the women's football and that's exploded as well. But it's not about the football or netball. It's about creating participation options yeah, within yeah. your club for, for different groups within the community. So that's what you've illustrated so um, wonderfully well. So I thank you so, for sharing sharing the story. And, uh, and Andrew, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll copy you and Michael in and you can continue to, to chat because I've, I've been struck by how similar the thinkings of um, – um, uh, two people heavily involved in women's football have been city and country. So, if you like, I will connect you up outside of outside of this session. So, Michael, thank you very much for being part of the discussion today. Uh, been a pleasure, been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, if I was going to give anyone any any pearls of wisdom, it would be that yeah, it's just it, it's got to be you got to be all in, and it's got to yeah. be what the purpose of being a, a, a fully integrated, better club. Um, and not bol- not just other- bolting it on. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. If it's bolted on, you're going to be in strife. Uh, won't work. Um, whereas integrated, and so everyone's in the footy club or netball club up to their eyeballs. Um, then you're. It's not a bad place to be. Well, that's another doing sport differently podcast completed. Heidelberg. Football Netball Club have done a simply fantastic job at creating participation options for women and girls through both their netball club and women's football teams. I loved hearing Michael share the club story. To go from not having a women's football team at all in 2018 to having 32 women at pre-season training the following year, champing at the bit is a remarkable achievement and testament to the positive environment created by the club, the coaches, and the local community's appetite for women's participation options in sport. If we think about women's and female participation more broadly, this is another example that just because a group of a participation group is not participating, in this case women, it absolutely doesn't mean they don't want to. For many, many years, we interpreted not participating as not wanting to participating. But through the Doing Sport Differently podcast series, we now know that's not the case and the steps that we can go through to encourage more participation, more people to our clubs. As we heard from Michael, a very important step 
to attract new participants, in this case women, is to create a safe, supportive, welcoming and fun environment. For their women's team, which had a number of players who had never even played Aussie rules football before, the, the, the club adopted the same philosophy as their under-10s. Learn the game, love the game, get better and enjoy playing with each other. Undoubtedly for the women and girls playing football for the first time, it was such a vital component of their experience was the fact that the club and the coaches and everyone involved made the experience so much fun. Their coach was instrumental in creating a fun environment and the word spread through pre-season and the numbers grew. So when we look at this through the lens of doing sport differently participation principles, where one of the principles is the deliverer is the most vital person to the participant's experience and therefore retention. In this scenario, the deliverer was the coach. When you think about it, you can design the best experience, but ultimately if you're deliverer or in this case coach, it is those people that decide what happens on the day and that's what really decides whether people enjoy the experience enough to come back or not. The Heidelberg Football Netball Club absolutely made a conscious decision that they were going to be one club. Even though the men's team had been operating and, and competing for decades and decades and decades, they wanted the women's team to immediately be seen as their equal. A simple act of having the men's team present the senior women's team with their jumpers helped to foster this sense of belonging and legitimise their place in the club. They also changed words and actions around the, the way that they were talking and operating within their club. So language is really important. So changing the language around the main game was a simple yet effective step demonstrating gender equality. So if you're interested to learn more about how to inspire women to get involved, I encourage you to check out the This Girl Can marketing campaign or by visiting thisgirlcan.com.au, which is another big health initiative. So there are plenty of resources on this website to help your club overcome barriers faced by women and girls as they seek to participate in our wonderful sporting options and wonderful sporting clubs. So I really hope the discussion with Michael has given you some inspiration and some ideas to take back to your club, no matter what your club is trying to do, how it is trying to improve, how it is trying to create relevance to its own community. So before I go, again, as I do every single session, I really love to thank the sports community members. It's without your support, without your support, it just simply wouldn't be possible to, to create these wonderful resources like the Doing Sport Differently web, a podcast series. So if you're a sports club volunteer, if you know a sports club volunteer, check out the website sportscommunity.com.au. There's a thousand pages of resources online training programs, et cetera, all designed for one purpose, and that's to make it as easy as possible for you to be a volunteer at your club. So check out the website 
And if you're not a member, please consider being a member. Just click on the membership tabs. You'll see all the information there. And we'd love for you to become a member of Sports Community and help us to create these wonderful resources that, that help the amazing volunteers of Australian sport. So until next time, I'm Steve Pallas. Thank you very much for being part of our sports community.